0: Hello and welcome to episode 56 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at Andrew RLP. And joining me as usual is League Freak. You can find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you
1: doing there, mate? I'm doing pretty well, Andrew. It's really nice to join you this morning. Um, I just wanted to say you are the best statistician for rugby league in the whole world, and the a, job you do is fantastic. I don't feel you'd be doing some sort of shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> I had to, I'm
0: sorry I, I knew it's it, the minute, sure. the minute I said it to you I was sitting there going, I know he's going to say something <laughs> I, had to. I had to You, you had to You slightly put me off by <laughs> continuing the conversation and making it out as if you were going to do it but I knew you'd bank that
1: <laughs> to was going That's to come just listening. what I do <laughs> I know, I know <laughs> Oh man, what a great start
0: <laughs> Absolutely Well, uh, today we're going to revisit an oldie but a goodie. We're going to answer some more, ask Kenty questions, uh, yes. from Twitter because uh, he just doesn't answer them
1: all. I know it's so weird. They promote they promote it more than they spend time answering the questions.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. So um, we're doing you another favour, Fox Sports. Um, yeah. Call us, email us if you want us to do more of
1: this. Um, you know, we, we will tell you how much it will cost you. Yeah. And he, you know, I, I I would joke that it'll cost a few hundred thousand dollars, but seriously we'd take like, I don't know, Pizza Hut vouchers or something at this point. Yeah, we'll put you in touch
0: with our with our people, which is basically yep. Nadine. Yep. Um she, she'll she will organizes all that
1: stuff out. Yeah, she'll run all the legal stuff by Arabella and uh yeah. Hopefully at the end of it. We don't get, like, a cease and desist letter for doing this. Well,
0: well, if, well, if we do, Richard Crane will be the one going out there with a the tyre on, kneecapping people, so it'll be all good.
1: Yeah, it'll work out well. Yeah. We're building an army.
0: We are. We've gone for the three-stroke positions early on.
1: Yeah, it's great.
0: All right, well, let's start here. The most recent one is uh, Belly. She just says, hashtag Ask Kenti. Um, so there you go. You've got, your, you've got your attention. Piss off. Yeah, yeah, piss um, off. Call me Craig. Ask Kenty The UFC has a standard policy that if someone is knocked out, there is a mandatory three-month layoff with no contact. Can't return without doctor's approval. In 20 years, the UFC has never had a death or serious injury. How would this go in the NRL?
1: Yeah, that's a, it's an interesting one. Look, the difference between the UFC and rugby league, obviously, is that in the UFC, part of the the idea is that you kind of want to switch your opponent off at some point if you do it right. So there's that kind of uh, thing to look at. But, um, you know, I I think as long as the players get scans and everything, like as long as they get the full proper treatment that they're supposed to get, all you can do is go by what the doctors say. And the only real issue I have is with the HIA, which um, from talking to Alan Pearce is just completely inadequate. So... Yeah, yeah that's, I, it's you know,
0: that's pretty legit. That... Um, UFC is going to be similar to boxing, where the blows to the head are going to be much more frequent, obviously, mm. and much mm. more, um, you know, much a heavy impact than what mm. rugby league is going to have. So, um, I'd I'd probably argue that the blows to the head are going to require a longer time off in the UFC in boxing than they're going to require in rugby
1: league. Yeah, and I, I think part of the the component of that three-month layoff as well. And look, it's not that long when you think about what the sport is, but part of the component of that is also um, that you don't want them going back into the ring and sparring either. You don't want them taking any blows to the head. You kind of want them to have a long la- enough layoff that they don't have to worry about, well, you know, I've got a head knock now, but I've got to get back into training in, in two weeks' time for my next bout. So... um So, yeah, and they they take – I would guess that the three-month thing is also something that they carried over from boxing in terms of trying to get on side with the commissions, uh, which is something they really tried to do a number of years ago to make um, MMA more mainstream. So, yeah, it's two very different sports. But I do get the – I do get what he's saying, though, and I, I would say that as long as the players are getting all the right scans and, and being looked after properly, that you've just got to go by what the doctors say with the current um, medical advice right now.
0: Yeah, it's a bit crazy, too, that the that's mandatory three-month layoff period is only for, for fighters who get knocked out. Can't tell me that the bloke who wins doesn't cop a few bloody bad knocks to the head as well. It's a bit weird, that.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, say there's an absolute war and one of them does get knocked out. Yeah, you're right. It's it's strange. There's been a thought that uh, the the when you get knocked out, it's bad, obviously. But the accumulation of lower lower powered hits, I guess you could say, or the ones that don't quite land right, that knock you around but don't knock you out are as bad, if not worse, because you can take so many more of them. You know, and and there's a lot of UFC fighters now that they once they get to a certain level with their striking game, they don't like to spar very much at all because they feel as though it just takes takes something out of their career, and and they the the risk versus reward just isn't there even in sparring for them. So it's interesting to see how that's changed a little bit. I don't know how it is in boxing. I don't know how you couldn't spar in boxing, um, in training, but. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see the way the UFC have handled it. and I mean, I've heard UFC fighters talk about how like 10 years ago they would do a round and then the last minute they would just throw haymakers at each other. And they yeah. don't do that anymore because it's just it, it, they they know to, to train better.
0: Yeah. You now, uh, Paulie Park asked another one on concussion. He says, um, NFL concussion. First concussion, one week. Second, four weeks. Third, in twelve months, a twelve-month suspension. Um, I still he's mm. getting out here, but as we when we spoke to, um, to uh, Dr. Alan Pierce, uh, yeah, he he did say that obviously some people get impacted by concussions more heavily than others. Um, mm. The key isn't about how long they've got off; it's because you can't have a mandatory time. Because mm. some people recover quicker than others. Some don't get impacted as heavily as others. What you need yeah. to have is they've got to come back to base, the, to baseline. Yeah. That's the that's the main thing. And that's how they should be off until they get to baseline. Then they can go back. That's the solution.
1: Yeah, and look, I, I'm always very hesitant when anybody suggests we follow any medical advice that the NFL puts forward because they've literally been the very worst organization when. When it comes to not only their drug use policy, but their concussion policy, they're so far behind everyone else and so far behind Rugby League by decades. So I just, I would never ever follow the NFL's um, protocols on anything to do with player welfare because they literally don't give a shit about their players. Absolutely. I can't add anything to that. That's spot on. Um mm-hmm.
0: Glenn Stewart, it's actually not the footballer, um, it's someone oh, called At Damage Glenn, he says, of course they exploit the rules in soccer. Don't you remember the way Australia lost in the 2006 World Cup? You give you give me the bum squigglies.
1: I wonder what that means. I've got no idea what any of that means. But All right. <laughs> <So you> ever, <laughs> ever had bum squigglies? No, I don't know what a bum
0: squiggly is. That sounds like something that you need some medication for there, mate. Yeah.
1: Uh, you've got to see a doctor if you think yeah. you've got something that is a bum squig. If you're like, is this bum squiggly? Go not see a doctor. Yeah, it sounds like you've got a tapeworm trying to get out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> going the wrong way. Yeah. Did you Did you know that uh, going on tapeworm, back in the... Uh, just after the um, Federation in Australia, you'd seen yep. a lot of newspapers, I found it when doing research, that they would suggest for anyone who wants to lose weight to ingest a tapeworm and you can buy them over the counter at your local chemist.
1: Yeah, I've seen it. How weird is that? It's like it's like with the uh, cocaine chewing gum and things like that that they used yeah. to have or like being prescribed uh, cigarettes. Like, what a time to be alive, hey? <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, imagine going to the doctor and you're like, man, I don't know what it is, but I keep on coughing up blood and they say, you know... Well, what you need is to start smoking.
0: <laughs> yeah, this, this, uh, the warm fire will help to dry out that blood.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's the solution. Okay. So weird. <laughs> it's like, well, I wonder what they were prescribing, like cocaine for, like cocaine gum and things like that for.
0: I think it was usually just a, a name. Uh, sorry, a painkiller.
1: Yeah, before just they like found a... out about paracetamol. Yeah, how weird is that! Imagine how fucked up people were getting. And... And they have coke they must have loved it like i've never done cocaine obviously but people must have been going to the doctors all the time going yeah this these aches they just won't go away give me some more of that sweet sweet gum
0: well there's the the dentist in sydney in the uh around the world war one time who had a lot of cocaine because of such a very powerful um you know i don't know if you call it a relaxant or a sedative or whatever or a painkiller yeah. but yeah. um yeah, they used it there to, before they did their work on people's teeth and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so dentists in Sydney used to often get broken into for, yeah. you know, people in the drug trade and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, It's crazy. So crazy. Um, Russell says, Jesus, nice to hear someone to tell it actually how it is, dot, dot, dot. Will you be MC at my wedding? <laughs>
1: Can you imagine like Paul Cant being an MC anywhere? Oh, it'd be the worst. It'd just be the worst. It's like, why is this? Like, first of all, why are so many of these journos angry? Like, they're all so angry. It's very yeah. strange.
0: Yeah, last night was was fascinating because they got um, they they had their comedy act on when Paul Crawley came on. Yeah, yeah, and Paul Crawley has this thing where he, where he has a rant about something. Oh, um, that's right. And this time, he started ranting. I can't remember what it was because I just don't care. Um, mm. He was ranting about something, and he, he occasionally looked at, at Kentie. Yeah. Poor Kent would look at him and just, just nod, as if to say, yeah, you're saying the right thing, keep going. And he go, okay, <laughs> keep going. And it's like he, he needed he needed those nods of approval to make sure he was on the right track.
1: It's funny you bring that up because I, I didn't see this week's show, but I saw part of last, last week's show, and I saw when... And it's called like Crawley's rant or something strange like that. It's like, and you can tell that they want it to be something. And I can't tell you what he was ranting about last week either. But I was watching it and I was like, they really want this to be like a segment, and it doesn't work. It just has zero impact,
0: yeah, unfortunately. It's just, it's just an it's just an old handbag having a whinge. <laughs> I just look at him and think it's time to upgrade that handbag. Look how look how wrinkly it is.
1: It's like an old baseball glove you get off of eBay. You've got to put some new, like, oil into it. Yeah, some oil it up. It. Yeah. Everything's better when you oil it up, eh?
0: Absolutely.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, Dave McMullen says, Should the league go back to one referee to ensure there are enough quality refs across the rounds, and could Kevin Malters be the next storm coach when Craig Bellamy pulls the pin? I will say no to both. Can I go across the other side of the room and answer this one? Go for it. That would be fantastic.
1: Hang on. Hang on. on, What? No. Nice. All right. I'm back.
0: I'm back. I'm back. I think think we were clear. Okay. I think we made that point pretty well there. Excellent. Um, (laughs) Jordan says, solution to the no-fault stand-down player policy. Allow alleged players to choose whether to play or not. If they're found guilty for each game they played during this period, hit them with a hefty fine, 50 a game. Surely players who know they're guilty will then stand down. Now, we ran the numbers on this last night, mm. and he said if they played 26 games, mm. it worked out as $1.3 million fine. Yeah, I, Who the hell's going to force them to pay that? I knew they were going to pay that. It's just...
1: It's like, yeah, the scenario was say Jared Hayne decides to play this year. No, let's not, let's not say a player's name. Say League Freak, right, decides to play this year and he plays through the whole season, misses out in finals, and then he gets found guilty of, I don't know, a public disturbance act or something. So yep. Once again, found in a fountain, pants around his ankles. You don't want to know the rest of the details. He's and not Mitchell so. Moses. Yeah, yeah. And so like the the he immediately has to go to jail for like fifteen years for it and all of a sudden the NRL says, Well, hang on a second, you owe us one point three million dollars. Good luck getting that money. He's not fucking contracted anymore. You got no power over League Freak. And exactly. he's in jail and he's like up one point three million bucks. He's he's winning at life. <laughs> And getting free
0: feed at the same time too. Exactly, exactly. Because we all you know, know how much of they're... a luxury it is in prison. You know, they get foxtail and great beds and everything, you know. Yeah, you've just got
1: to, you know, put up a little present. bit of... That's yeah. the only thing. That's the downside. Put up with a little bit of pants down act- action.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, that that's a nonsense idea. Uh, nice. Steve Allen. Paul, do you reckon that Kevin Walters is waiting for Storm's coach? It's not, it's not Storm's. Look at the Stormers? logo. It says
1: "Storm." storm. No, nah, it's Stormers, isn't it? I'm pretty it's sure. Storm. Just storm. storm. It's one storm.
0: Tank. Melbourne doesn't have storms. It only has one storm. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking. I'm talking yeah. meteorologically as well. It's just one large <laughs> drizzle that goes over the place. They don't get heaps of them. <laughs> oh right. geez. So They're waiting for Storm Coach Craig Bellamy. I've got to read this again because it's stupid. Okay. Do you reckon yeah. that Kevin Walters is waiting for Storm's coach, Craig Bellamy, is waiting for him to retire and Kevin takes over
1: from Craig? <laughs> I, like, I like reading out the tweets exactly as they're, they're oh, written. It's just... Okay, I, I'm going to say yes, he is. I think he's waiting, along with every other coach that has anything to do with rugby league, is waiting for Craig Bellamy to retire so that they can hopefully take over the Storm. I think everyone wants to coach the Storm.
0: Yeah, guess what? No one's probably going to be coaching that club next until Cameron Smith's had a bit of a run as assistant coach and then he'll take over. That's my guess.
1: Oh, yeah, I reckon you're right. I reckon. In fact, if Cameron if if Cameron Smith retired at the end of the year and Craig Bellamy decided he wanted to walk away, I wouldn't be shocked if Cameron Smith walked straight into the coaching role.
0: Yeah, I I know Cameron Smith has, has said occasionally that coaching's not going to be for him. But he's the only coach he's ever seen is Craig Bellamy, mm. and so in his mind he probably thinks that that's how coaches have to be. And mm. I've I've spoken with with Cameron Smith once or twice, and he definitely does not have the Bellamy personality. He's just very laid back. Yeah. So I don't think I don't think he'd be that sort of a coach. It'd be yeah. funny if he was though. That'd be great to see.
1: Yeah, if you just went from being super laid back to just being fucking – oh, man, I love watching Craig Bellamy. He gets so angry. It's fantastic. It really is. I I just love it. Craig Bellamy, when he watches the Storm game, that's how I watch the news. I just get so angry thinking like, this isn't news, this is an advert, just stuff like that. You know what I'd like to see is yeah.
0: if if the way the Melbourne Storm play, given they've been obviously the most dominant side since two thousand and four, two thousand and five. Yeah, if they're enough to get him frustrated like that, I'd love to see just how insane he gets when he goes to say the Titans or the Tigers.
1: The best one, Warriors without. Worst. Worst.
0: Oh. Can
1: you imagine that? Oh. yeah, that would be God. That'd be insane. I They're feel like he physically
0: choked. I think what would happen was every time they they gapped in the first half to the coach's box, you'd see him have his yeah. normal ranting and screaming and yelling and smashing stuff. Yeah. And then in the second half, you wouldn't be able to see him because there'd just be blood over the uh, coach's box window because he's killed someone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez, yeah. Every
0: every week on Seek, there'll be another job for an assistant coach at the Warriors. <laughs>
1: That's <laughs> hilarious. Sometimes I watch the assistant coach's reactions because it's got to be like, even if you're completely cool with someone, it's got to be strange to sit next to them for the two hours a week and know that doesn't even like you, you, you're in a good place. You know, you're an assistant coach of the best team. He's the coach of the best team, but for two hours each week, he just goes absolutely off his head. And you can see the coaches like sitting around him thinking, Man, he's going again. Just yeah. chill, man. I've got to chill.
0: <laughs> you know, it's funny. When you think about it, you think of the assistant coaches that, that um, Bellamy's had who have gone on to become full-time coaches. Yeah. They're very calm people. Like yeah, Stephen are. Kearney. Yeah. Um, Michael McGuire, when you hear him in the media. Yeah. You only ever hear about his blow-ups from, you know, inside the dressing shed. He never really has massive blow-ups. You, know, you don't see him really all that often at all. During the mm. games and stuff like that. He's usually just pretty controlled. And that's how they all are. But for some reason, Bellamy just goes he just goes fucking postal in there. Um, Dylan Skinner says, Should the Melbourne Storm be allowed to celebrate the 2009 Grand Final on their jerseys as they did on the weekend against Manly?
1: He's cheating a joke in the NRL. I want to ask a historian what he thinks about this.
0: All right. I think, first of all, I've said all along, I think it was wrong that they took the premierships off the off the storm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you should be able to overturn a result in a game no matter what happened. Um, there's been cheating done in the past. Results still stood. So I don't know why this had to change for this instance. Um, there's a ton of ways you could have penalised that club um, for what they did. But taking premierships off players who had no control over the salary cap is just dumb because that just, that only impacts the people who weren't doing the wrong thing, you know, the yep. fans and the, and the players. So I don't see the point in that. So I've, I've got no problem with them putting it on there um, for, before the, for that attitude, but I'd rather they put on their grand final wins instead of premierships. I'm willing to accept that they, they refer to those as grand final victories. But I don't think they should. I don't think they should call it premierships because obviously, factually, they aren't. That's pretty much it.
1: That's actually. I've never heard that idea put forward. That's perfect. I, I believe. Um, when I remember when the Storms premierships were taken off them, and I felt personally at the time that the premiership should have been given to the next team, and that would have been Parramatta. And I know that Parramatta themselves come out in the media and said they didn't want that but in my opinion the 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 salary cap rorting that the storm did especially when it was to that level and so underhanded you know it wasn't like they went over by poor uh, cap management or players kicked on and got massive bonuses that they weren't expecting like they were probably trying to break the cap um I felt like that invalidated them for the entire season, their their entire um, part in the premiership season. And so, therefore, the next best team should have received the premiership um, as theirs. And, And it's not ideal, but that's the whole point. This isn't an ideal situation. I probably would say that I'm not comfortable... For the club to be celebrating a premiership victory. I don't have any problem with the player saying, look, I've won, you know, those premierships. So I have I've got no problems with the players saying that. Because they did. They they had those experiences and you can't take those experiences experiences away from them. Um but yeah, I don't like it when the club celebrates it as a victory and, and yeah, but I I think that your um your idea is Absolutely spot on. They can celebrate a grand final win, but they shouldn't be celebrating a premiership win, no. Yeah. I,
0: on that other one that you raised there, I see it mentioned a fair bit about, you know, just awarding the premiership to the team that ran, was runners mm-hmm. up in the grand final in those years that the Storm won with a cheating team. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is if you took Melbourne Storm out of the competition because they were illegal, then the whole makeup of the finals changes because all the teams in there. That were below Melbourne move up a place. Another team then enters the finals. That changes the whole complexity of that final system, and you don't know who would have made the grand final if that had if those changes had been made. So I'm not I'm not overly keen on awarding the runner up the the premiership by default in that way. I understand the reason behind it, and it is, it, there are some valid points to it. But I think I think too much would change in order for that to work um, cleanly like that. So that's why I would have just left them as as grand final winners, but just not had them as premiers. I'm just going, yes.
1: just yeah. I, I remember Roy Masters saying that the now when you look at the list of premiership winners over the the history of the game, it start it's now starting to look like uh, a schoolboy's. Math homework that he's got a lot of wrong <laughs> wrong results where there has yeah. been crossed out and there's asterisks and at the bottom of it you go down the bottom and there's like about three different notes and stuff. I wonder if a better penalty would be like, look, if you if you you've cheated and you you win, just for history's sake, we've got to say that you won. But as soon as we find out that you've rorted the salary cap, if that ever comes out. You are not allowed to take part in the next five final series at all. Doesn't matter how good you are. And from the moment that it's found that you've been cheating. Um mm.
0: see I reckon, reckon I reckon a better idea is see, they've got one penalty that they've started using which I quite like, and that is they um shrink your salary cap for a set number yeah. of years. Yeah. Because that's that's an immediate penalty. That stops yeah that stops the team getting advantage from um, the rorting that they've done. Yeah. And that immediately teaches them a bloody harsh lesson for the future. Um, And so the amount they go over by should determine how many years they have their salary cap shrunk and how much it gets shrunk by. And I think what they could have done with the storm is took about 25% out of their salary cap Mm -hmm. for the next five or six years. There's no way knowing they could have kept as much of that squad if they had done that, and they could have. You could say, you know what, keep your premierships, but you're going to have 25 percent less salary cap for the next five or six years, yeah. or even longer if they want.
1: For for what you've yeah. done, yeah, it needs to be a because we've seen a lot of the things they've done in the past haven't really worked. Like they've caught teams cheating the cap, and and they don't really get smashed on the field like they should be I feel as though like if you get caught cheating the competition you shouldn't be able to just shake it off and next year go back at it it should be something that you've got to carry as a burden for a number of years I think and and yeah it's you know in the past that hasn't worked I think that shrinking the salary caps a good idea too yeah and and maybe they need to look at upping that a little bit
0: yeah I mean they did it they did it when Canberra got done in 1990, or 91, sorry. Yeah. And it, it took Canberra two years to get back into being premiership contenders again. Um, which is not long enough, considering how much they went over by. But yeah. it showed the impact it has. Whereas with the Storm, I mean, they had a premiership, what, one or two years after they'd, they'd been busted. Yeah. And, and they stayed there. But Canberra had that one premiership in 94, and then they haven't been in a grand final since. Yeah. Melbourne's got a premiership and they've been in, they've been in contention pretty much every year since then. And so for me the the punishment that they handed the club it it didn't it, it didn't have the right impact. All nah. it did was just piss off all the fans and strip strip titles off the players. But the club the club's future didn't get impacted in any way. And I think if if the penalty was there which said right if you're going to cheat the cap, we're going to hit you hard in the future. Clubs are going to think a bit more differently about it because they run by a desire to A, win, and B, make money. And if that salary cap thing came in and it's a lot harsher, your ability to A, win, and B, make money gets shrunk immensely. And that's going to be the thing that's going to make them go, we can't go there now. But at the moment, the way the current system is, you just get a title strip. You keep or you, you can keep most of your roster, and you know, still be a successful team in the future. It's a
1: short hit, yeah, you know, short hit to the to the pocket. And just move on, and it's not it's not strong enough. No, not at all. And I think that <clears throat> with um, we say when you've got teams with private owners, this would kick in especially because your private owner of a club is going to whoever is managing your salary cap, they're going to really push it on them. Like you better not you better not be cheating because I can't afford us to be cheating the cap and then go down the track and have to carry a, you know, a a team that can't spend the entire cap for a number of years. Um, and so they will self-regulate. It's probably going to be a bit different with, um, clubs that aren't privately owned just because there's that, you know, it doesn't come back to an individual's hip pocket, but, uh, But, yeah, I I agree with you. It needs to be – there needs to be some really bad hangover you get. And we didn't see it happen with the storm. Um, And I think one of the worst cases is what we saw um, at the Sharks where they basically were found to be cheating the cap either side of their premiership win. So they didn't take their premiership win off them. I think that's terrible. And there needs to be something sorted in that area.
0: Yeah, that was that was just a, such a weird thing cuz they weren't in 2016 they weren't financially over the cap but some of the contracts that they had the players sign were not you know legally acceptable is, is my understanding of it which is it, it's kind of a loophole I guess that got them out of a little bit of mischief there. Yeah. Um and the fact they self reported goes a bit in their favor. So they didn't have an illegally assembled team. As far as the salary cap's concerned, but there were contracts done the wrong way, which should it should mean the same
1: thing, but it didn't somehow. Yeah, and I that doesn't sit well with me. Um, yeah. But as know, I said, I,
0: I'm I'm really not comfortable with premierships being taken away from clubs. I just think you, you're penalising the wrong people.
1: Yeah, and I you need that. to
0: penalise the administrators, and if you if you're impacting the club's future and its yeah. ability to be competitive, um, that's having more of an impact on the entirety of the club, not just the players and the fans themselves, but everyone involved with it. And I yeah. think that's what needs to happen. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, talking about shit situations with clubs, looks like there's a bit of Titans talk here. Mm. A club should have one coach. Either Mal coaches the Titans or he leaves. Your views? First of all, Mal should not be
1: coaching. No. Not at all and and that's the problem you get when you have somebody come in that 's a director of you know football or anything like that that comes from a coaching background at the end of the day. I mean, have we ever seen it where that situation's been put in place and it hasn 't become awkward at the very least exactly' you know it's yeah it's it it 's a bad situation, and I actually saw. I was reading the news a little bit before. I think we can now officially say the way the Titans have handled this whole coaching situation is now absolutely ridiculous. They've made a mess of it. And, you know, it's a privately run club. I don't know how they could let it become this mess. And if they're taking advice from somebody and they've found themselves in this mess, they need to sack whoever that somebody is. Yeah, it's been a debacle. There's talk that... um
0: coaches haven't even been called in you know who applied for the coaching job haven't even been called in for an interview and they've already made their decision it's almost like they had their heart set on one bloke they finally got him and now they're just talking all this wank about how they've you know approached all these coaches all these great candidates but they didn't speak to really any of them so um they've essentially put all of their eggs in one basket if Holbrook fails who the hell's going to say yes to coaching at the Titans next time around if this is their process this time? You
1: know? Yeah, and yeah, and it's like that That indecision is a massive reason why the Titans are in the position they're in now, even with their playing squad. I mean, even with the way they were playing the game. We've talked about how that it seems like a club that doesn't have any clear direction. Um, and, and that's what it comes down to with these clubs. The salary cap does a really great job of levelling teams out for the most part. And the reason that teams are poor is normally because they're really poorly run. And you can look through the NRL even this year and you can say, well, the Bulldogs are overcoming being terribly run. The Titans are being terribly run. And you just go through the list and all the the lower level teams, the teams that end up on the bottom of the ladder, they're always the ones that are really poorly run. Yep. That's
0: exactly how it works. It's uh, it's not just a ladder of on-field performances. It's a ladder of how good the administrations are for each club. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's incredible. Yeah, try and argue with that one, people. Um, Noel says
1: Mel needs to go. Problem
0: fixed. Um, I kind of agree.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, when you bring somebody in to try and fix things up, and it just gets worse, it's hard to argue with. Uh, Todd Campbell says, "Why didn't Big Mal put his
0: hand up? Or is he happy coaching a team of champions? Hasn't done anything in clubland. Um, yeah, I don't think he's been much in clubland either. His time at Canberra pretty much proves it.
1: Yeah, he wasn't great. Um, and and the other thing is, like, he just doesn't need to. At the end of the day, he's got that Australian coaching gig. I'm sure it probably plays p- pays all right. Um, just he just doesn't need to, unless he had a burning desire to." And some people do have that burning desire to be a club coach, but I don't think that's him. Because if he wanted to, there would have been times when he was coaching Queensland that he, he would have been able to pick and choose a couple of different jobs there. Yeah. Um, if Holbrook
0: comes in and loses 10 games next year with Meninga watching, could Holbrook return to his comfort zone in the UK? I say yes because he will be snapped up back in the UK. Um I think if he comes back and loses ten games, I think in the first year the Titans will cop it. Yeah. But if they have prolonged failure going deep into the second year, I don't know if he's gonna get a job in the in England again. I think this is one of these tough jobs where if you become a failure at coaching anywhere, it becomes very hard to get a coaching gig elsewhere. Trent Barrett is a good example. That's not yeah, that's I... not that's not joking. Like if if England was so hard up for coaches, then Trent Barrett would have got a gig over there. Even they won't sign him.
1: You see, I feel as though Trent Barrett is a different situation in that for some reason he has always had this belief that he's an elite coach. And when he got his chance to be an elite coach, he has never proven to be anything close to that. Not and I would, I would feel as though there might have even been Super League clubs that, offers to Trent Barrett and maybe he knocked them back because he's an elite NRL coach, if you don't know. Um, And now all he's doing is sitting around with the stack of chairs waiting for the phone to ring. Uh, I feel as though... We've seen a couple of coaches that have left really good situations in Super League and then gone back to Super League and it hasn't worked out sometimes. Uh, I think that Holbrook would probably get another gig somewhere at a club like You know, he might get a gig somewhere like Hull KR or... um, I'm trying to think of some of the other clubs that might bring him on board. I mean, I reckon if he failed... Leeds, yeah, I was just about to say. I reckon if he failed and Leeds wanted somebody still, he he could go back to Leeds. So, um, you know, on teams like Wakefield and that, they're always up to try something new because they kind of have to in the situations they're in. So... Yeah, I think he could go back and get a coaching gig, but, you know, I I I, just, I can't believe that he's leaving St. Helens. I really can't. I am absolutely shocked. I was so wrong, so, so wrong. I thought he was going to be like, no, thank you. I can just stay here at St. Helens. I can earn as much money and, and all that sort of thing. I can have stability as a coach. No one's knocking at the door trying to, you know, I haven't even got the media down my neck. Everyone loves me right now and He's taken on a real bad situation and not a good contract. And he's apparently going to have a pretty average coaching staff. And, you know, I guess time will tell if it's the right decision or not. But it looks like it's going to be a poor one, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, right.
0: Matt Kerr asks, why would the NRL at least trial the captain's challenge? Then seek fan feedback on the idea. The game is about entertainment and the captain's challenge would bring entertainment and discussion in a positive way. It works for tennis and cricket. Does it?
1: Um, Does it work in tennis? Like, I know tennis. Tennis is a very different sport from rugby league, hey? Well, yes, it's
0: one-on-one. There's no teams involved. (laughs) And it's the tennis player gets to choose whether they want to do it or not. Cricket, it's kind of similar to tennis where it's... The captain having a discussion with the batsman or the bowler. There's only usually three people involved in those decisions.
1: Um, yeah, and I guess the other thing is too, like grand final day, there's a, something <laughs> happens, first 10 minutes, they use their captain's call. It's found to be like whatever decision. It's found to be the captain was right. They get to try something. And then right late in the game, same team. And there's a knock-on ruled against them in goal. And we look at the video replay, and it's clearly a not, not a knock-on. It's a try. They should have won the grand final, but there's no captain's call. So too bad. You lose the premiership.
0: The problem I've got with this is people have constantly been whinging about how the video ref takes up too much time. They take too long. There's too much stopping and starting going on in the game. And then they want this. How is this yeah. going to speed make things better?
1: Yeah, and then they want to rule on forward passes as well. And then they want the referee to, or the video ref to call down into their referee's ear when they see something. And it's like, well, do you want more video ref or less? Like, yeah. I know personally I want to – i I'm just willing to trust the people in the middle with the whistle. Likewise. And it's, you know, and if you, you get a decision, go your way, great. <laughs> if you don't, too bad. That's rugby league. Yeah, it's – the problem here is – People want the the
0: officiating to be 100% when it can't be and they know that having um, technology assisting the referees will get them as close as possible to that 100%, but they don't want the technology involved either because it slows things down and they want the game to be fast. You've got a problem here where there's a bunch of people with dementia following rugby league. They don't know what the hell they want.
1: Yeah, and, and that's why I think you need really strong leadership that just comes out and says... No. It's like, no, we're not ruling off forward passes. Shut up. We're not doing it. And that's that's where you look at the administration. I've got no problem with the referees, hey. Like, I really have no problem. I think we've got one or two referees that are not very good. Um, but outside of that, I think the rest of them are really fantastic. Yeah, and... look, I don't think you find referees these days either have that many
0: Absolute howlers that cost no. games. You'll see. You will see during the season there'll be probably three or four <laughs> bad decisions that may impact the result. But out of two hundred games, you know, I, I don't think it's going to have a that huge an impact on a season. And if your team's good enough, they should be able to overcome that more often than not.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. It's it's part of the game. It's part you yeah. you you've got to defeat the opposition. You know, and that includes having to overcome conditions, any decisions that go against you, the crowd being on your back, it's all part of rugby league. You know, If you want it to be played in a hermetically sealed box, you're looking at the wrong sport. Exactly
0: right. And if, if 20 seconds of play can determine whether you win or, win or lose a game or a premiership or whatever else, then what were you doing for the other 79 minutes and 40 seconds?
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, You didn't knock it on. You didn't drop the ball. You didn't kick a ball. You didn't miss a tackle. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's too many people, like... too many people
0: around the game who refuse to blame players or coaches for mm-hmm. obvious errors that they make every week, and instead try and blame the referees for it. And this whole, this whole thing started with the media constantly bitching about refereeing all the time. It's been going on for ages, mm-hmm. and. It's created this mentality within the public that it's okay to bitch and moan about the refs, and that's what people do. And sure enough, on the back of that, you've heard countless stories over the last decade when all this refs bashing sort of kicked off of, you know, mums and dads at, at footy abusing referees on the sideline. That's how yeah. this
1: shit starts. Yeah, people take their cues from the media, and they, it's this really weird thing that they feel as though what the media is saying is what the general public is feeling and I don't believe that at all. And I think you can look at all sorts of different things, even outside of sport. You know, the media will say one thing to you. They're like, they'll say, oh, you know who's going to win an election? This mob. And then the other the other <laughs> side wins. And it's like, well, oh, so they've got no fucking idea. You know? Yeah. That, so I, I would never, ever take a cue from the media because uh, they're garbage. Anyway, let's get back to Ask Canty. <laughs>
0: yeah. We could go off ages there. Um, <laughs> Here's one that answers itself. I like this one. Do the current rules allow Jimmy Maloney to play State of Origin next year like Alan Langer did for Game 3 2001? <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, I, can, I guess you can pull up whoever you want. Can I,
0: Harlan? Yeah. Like, you, you just gave yourself an answer. Well, if Alan Langer could do it, then yes, the rules haven't changed.
1: You can yeah. still do it. It's more of right. a fact that... a question. Do you, do you reckon that they would? Say, let, okay, let's look at it this year, all right? Mm-hmm. Let's just say James Maloney... has been in France this year and we get to that, what was a game three where just everyone started dying all of a sudden, all of the halves started dying. Do they call back James Maloney? I don't think they would have. I don't think they would have either. I think if, say, it was someone like it would have to, I mean, it's got to be a a once-in-a-generation player. Like if, say, it was Andrew Johns uh, and he was playing in France I could see where they might say, look, Joey Joey could come back and do it. But, yeah, you've got to be a pretty special player for that to happen with.
0: Exactly. And you want to know that it's – so the problem with calling back Maloney, especially next year, is he hasn't been playing NRL-level football. Mm. So why would you take
1: that risk? Yeah, and he's been living in the south of France and – Eating pig and
0: drinking wine and eating cheese. You he'll know, you'll probably, probably be
1: bigger than, than uh, in weight than James Tormelolo this time next year. <laughs> possibly, probably take up smoking and training like we hear French players do every time the media. Wasn't it funny when he signed for, uh, for Catalan, and it was like Channel Nine went on Google and they looked up what France was, and then they just used every single cliche they could in the story that he was going to France. It was hilarious.
0: <laughs> it was um all right here we got a a uh somewhat solution for golden point it's yeah bear with me on this one mm-hmm. would this work for extra time two periods of five minutes to be played in full even after a field goal the side then behind on the school board can still win during extra time but only with a try or a penalty goal because this is what we need
1: is more confusion yeah I like it when people come up with an idea to simplify the game that you need a fucking abacus to work it out. <laughs> exactly, because uh, I think what you need here, uh, fella, is uh, just have extra time. Would be your answer. Yeah. How about the team that leads when the clock reads zero 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 zero? How about they win the game? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I'd prefer extra time if 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 golden point. Is getting to the getting to a place where people are sick of just watching field goal thons, then mm. go to extra time because yeah. a team can then kick a field goal but still haven't won the game. There's, the game's still alive; the other team can still score or whatever. Mm. Um, to me, that just that just solves the problem, and it it probably makes the game a bit more exciting because they they're just going to throw the ball around a lot more. You're not going to have
1: each side doing four hit ups and then pot shots at field goal from wherever they can get. So okay. I absolutely love Golden Point, and I think that if people don't like field goals, they don't like a part of rugby league. Exactly. and it's Like going with something else then, dickhead. <laughs> um, show Me Policies at OzFax
0: says, does Paul Cain realise he has anger issues? I um, Imagine if he did, hey. I'm not sure I, the, he has
1: anger issues. I just think he has misery issues. He just, <laughs> he just doesn't seem like you wouldn't want to be stuck with him, you know, at a party and he's just talking to him, would you?
0: You'd be sitting there going, just, oh, the, the the punches just don't really punch you. It's more like a push. And yeah. you know, the the little finger food thing, the, the the little toothpicks they've used, they're just a little bit splintery and not quite long enough. And I wish the cuts of cabana are a bit longer on there. They're a bit thin. The you know, the cheese sort of overpowers it a bit. He'd just be
1: whinging on and on all the time. You know, one of the things is watch watch NRL three hundred and sixty. Right, whenever he laughs, looks like it's painful to him. You yeah, it's like it. it's like
0: he's it's like he's been prodded in the ass with a uh, an electric prod that makes him laugh. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah,
0: Christ. it's like
1: he, he just like sort of is like <laughs> it's like not a real not a real healthy laugh, if you ask he, me. He's,
0: he's got a laughing sen- sensor in front of him. Every time he starts to laugh, it kicks in
1: someone someone presses a button and a big light lights up that says laugh now. <laughs>
0: all right. Um, this one has a hint of conspiracy theory behind it. Oh, nice. Is there a fair representation of Kiwi-specific nations and Indigenous people in the NRL office at the top end? Also, there's not enough Kiwi refs.
1: Okay. Well, first of all, I, I think that it's a it's an all right question to ask I think that those sorts of roles you know it's first of all they're difficult to get and I think you've got to be part of it I think a lot of it is not so much how good you are at a job as how good you are at, at greasing wheels and shaking hands and getting photo opportunities and things like that and that's how you get to a situation where uh somebody like Todd Greenberg is the NRL CEO and he's like dead set a politician you know he he just tries to say all the right things and not ruffle feathers Um, you know and I think that you've got to look at the the way that rugby league has been over say the last 30 years and there's been an explosion of of Polynesian talent and New Zealand talent over the last 30 years, more so than any time in the game's history. And I think we will see that flow into the game's administration. Um, I think, you know, I, I don't think there's any sort of conspiracy against it or anything like that. I think it's more of just a case of there needs to be more time for that sort of, for players to retire and then get into different roles in clubs and things like that. Um, you know, i would be, and look, I, I don't know how many assistant coaches and things like that are, are from, uh, you know, even indigenous backgrounds in Australia. It'd be interesting to know, but I, I don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world if we saw maybe the NRL get on the front foot with stuff like that. And, uh, even if it's making sure that, you know, teams in Pacific, like test teams, for Pacific, Pacific nations are, you know, coached by former players or, or Polynesians or Melanesians or or former uh, Kiwi players and things like that. I mean, that's probably the best way to to start that process. But it is an interesting question, and it's definitely one that I think at some point rugby league, if if it doesn't start to change a little bit, you would hope that rugby league would. See that there might be an issue and do something about it, because I think rugby league is obviously a very progressive sport um, and, and so it does do things like that a lot of the time, but you know i I personally don't think it's something that has much to do with race at the moment, more so to do with maybe the maybe just general corporate culture. I mean, does that yeah. seem to you like more? That's what it would be.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um, I'm, I'm not too concerned with how the NRL is actually functioning. A lot of people like to whinge about Greenberg an awful lot, but at the end of the day, we're, you know, the numbers the numbers don't lie. People are still tuning in in record numbers, and the money's still pouring in. You know, what much can you actually do? Be doing wrong in that situation if things are working fine? I know there's probably things he could he could probably do better, better to speed it up a bit maybe, but, you know, I don't think he's doing that shit a job. I think we've had worse administrators in the past. Um, it's just another media thing where they just want to bitch and moan about something to try and get someone sacked and create a bit of chaos so they've got something to write about.
1: Yeah, I guess, I guess that's, yeah, probably. I was just thinking then, like with the ARL Commission, they've got a position that's open right now, okay, because Coin stepped down finally. Mm-hmm. And did the whole, you know, we did a bloody pity party on the way out too. It was yeah. hilarious, but uh, there's a, so there's an opportunity there for the ARL Commission to have somebody on the board that is from, uh, I would guess, not the typical corporate background, which they kind of they aim for a lot of the time. And it made me just think. Then, would you have any problems with somebody like? Mal Meninga being on the arl commission board considering he is the australian coach like i can't see any conflict of interest there no i wouldn't have any issue with that at all um at the end of
0: the day they can only choose from the people who apply and if no one from these backgrounds apply then you know you can't really be blaming the nrl for not having a, a, a you know more inclusive culture of other nationalities or whatever else we don't know who applies for these jobs so we don't know the process there but yeah, they can only apply. Yeah, you, know, you know, appoint someone who's applied
1: for it. Yeah, that's a good point, and and I guess the other thing is too that, uh, you, you know, that we there are definitely um, moves that I know of in the, in the NRL itself because the NRL is a bit different. The NRL looks after the NRL competition for the most part. I guess when you're looking at the Australian Rugby League Commission and, and that sort of thing, they've. Kind of got to pick Australians, you know what I mean? Um, but in the NRL, they've got more of a scope to bring in people that were maybe born in other nations, or or you know, you might get Kiwis or or Polynesians, or you know, you might even get Englishmen and stuff like that. I mean, the NRL had a uh, what was he a Welsh dude running as CEO? So there's no problems in that in that regard. But um, yeah, I, I think that. Uh, I guess it's something that to that you would hope that is being kept in mind, you know. And I think that there might be more of an issue in coaching situations amongst NRL clubs. And I have no idea about the makeup of coaching staffs and things like that. But, I mean, there's 16 NRL coaching head, head – I was going to call them head jobs – Head roles. I, it's not the first time you've gone there. Stuff it. I'm going with that. There's only 16 <laughs> NRL head jobs in the whole world. And, you know, <laughs> just <laughs> here to, on
0: makes my no point. <laughs>
1: yeah. And that's where I'm going to leave it. that's
0: good. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, how long have you been a dummy for the ventriloquist Buzzard Rothfield? Now I think that's a bit unfair because uh Kenty does have different opinions to Buzz Rothfield. The person who who is an echo of Buzz Rothfield is Paul
1: Crawley. Yeah, I've I've heard that a lot. And yeah, I feel as though Paul Kent kind of does his own angry thing. Um so yeah, I feel, I do. I feel like that's a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um Malcolm asks
0: how do you rate your contribution to rugby league in your 10 minutes of first grade in relation to Cameron Smith's 32,000 minutes? Compare and contrast. Here's my take. Compare. You're both wankers. Contrast. Smith is a successful wanker. <laughs> that's, pretty, that's pretty funny. Um, I'm pretty certain yeah. that, uh, that Kenty didn't even reach 10 minutes on the field.
1: Yeah, well, that's but, fair enough. I mean, like, you know, they're in two different fields. I guess he's done different things to Cameron Smith. That's a, a little bit unfair. it's pretty unfair. Yeah, I mean, fucking, uh, you know, there's 99.99% of the players in the history of the game. If they you know, measured them up against Cameron Smith, they're going to come out looking pretty poor.
0: Yeah, it's, it's like trying to compare the um, political prowess of Paul Keating against Mal Meninga.
1: Exactly, although I think that Mal Meninga had the right length of a political career for all politicians. Yeah, he,
0: he was the smartest one. He got out real fast.
1: Yeah. At um, least he was, you know what? He was, the, he was honest for every single second of his He was.
0: Career. He was. And,
1: uh, that's something you cannot say about the rest of them bludgers down in Canberra. Absolutely. Um, Hayden McCarthy says, Is it any coincidence
0: the injury to Edric Lee has resulted in Newcastle's loss of form? Yes, entirely.
1: Yeah, well, like, what the hell, man? Does he think Edric Lee is like M- Martin Ophia? Like, what the hell? Oh, wow. Um will Ken Irvine. Like, who knew? <laughs> <laughs> is,
0: is the Gold Coast a poison chalice for both players and coaches? They also seem to have a lot of ex-players on the gravy train there. Must be costing them a fair bit. Do they get propped up by the NRL? Um, is it a poison chalice? Yeah, because it's on the Gold Coast. It's the same for any sport. Um, yep. for players and coaches. Well, the players don't mind because they're living on the Gold Coast and picking up a shit ton of money. Coaches probably yeah. aren't as happy about
1: it. Um, yeah. as yeah, it for the, the as for the as for the poison chalice, man, it's a great nightclub there on the Gold Coast. You should go there. I, I believe that's where um where Cinnamon resides. Yeah, Cinnamon. She's she's always there. She uh, makes a lot of money in tips, like thousands and thousands of dollars. She says that people just like her. It's really weird.
0: Okay. um, Fats has asked, I don't know what this one's about. This sounds interesting. Did having Superman as a relative give you a heap of street cred
1: and the playground at school? What the fuck does that mean?
0: Paul Kent, Clark Kent.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Well, that's you know, somebody's <laughs> been sitting at home thinking that for a long time to decide to send that one in. That's interesting. Um, not
0: oh, that one actually got us. What's another on here? Uh, what is your favorite Robbie Farrow moment? Ooh, mine is you, mine is punching the shit out of uh, what's his name's face from Anthony the Cowboys. whats Anthony uh, Watts. That's the one.
1: Yeah, so so Watts more... what's,
0: what's went down in the scrum first, and he, he gave Farrah a few cheap shots in the scrum when Farrah couldn't protect himself. So then in the next scrum, Farrah said nothing. In the next scrum, he just returned serve and laced about 35,000 punches on uh, on Watts's head. And they both got sent off, uh, sin bin for 10 minutes. And the crowd booed Watts as he went off, and they cheered Farrah as he went off. <laughs>
1: yeah, and, like, you can't stress enough that, like, Watts put a couple of cheap ones on in the first one, and the next that next scrum, Robbie beat the fuck out of him. Like, he literally beat the fucking shit out of him. It was amazing. That's definitely number one on my list, too. Absolutely. Um, Richard Cranium.
0: Oh, nice. Saved the best for last. Should we look at simplifying the rules again to make it easier for officials? We've overcomplicated the rules in an attempt for perfection. It's
1: backfired and the officials are suffering due to that. And I agree. I agree 100%. You know, that, that, that is so, so true. And they, it must be weird for, because, and we've talked about this before, the NRL officials, they're the world's leading experts on rugby league. Like they know the game literally inside and out. And it must be very strange for them when they start a season and then a rule is changed and so they've got to adapt to that and then they get to the end of the year and then some new rule is brought in because some coach blew up in like July of the previous year and it's got to be very strange for them. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I would like to see no changes to the rugby league rules. I think the rules right now are completely fine. We're seeing good footy. We're seeing the best teams normally win the games. Like what, I don't know, it's like chasing the dragon's tail. It it, it makes no sense to me.
0: Yeah, um, I agree. They've got to find a way to to sort of protect referees a bit more. And I think having the referees do less on the field would be the first step. And that is, you know, things like the whole HIA thing. They shouldn't have to wait for a trainer to tell the touch judge to tell the referee to stop the game. Yeah. yeah. Like, just, you've got a bunker there. Just, you can see everything. Just say, players down, stop the game. Bang, stop. Yep. Why complicate everything for everyone? I
1: don't understand that. It's stupid. Exactly. I agree. And it's, uh, it's just silly. And, And that comes once again back to the leadership of the referees, because the referees themselves aren't the problem. It's the leadership. Exactly.
0: Um, so brilliant question, Richard. Um, I know why I didn't get answered because you're thinking about something that would help make the referees look better, which is um, that's contrary to what Kenty needs because you can't write stories if,
1: if the referees are doing a good job. Yeah, exactly. It's too direct. It's like there's too many stories to write about the pub test and what people are saying. And I've I love heard, the
0: pub test. Oh, the pub test. Oh, that pub- doesn't pass the pub test. Is the pub tests are done by blokes who don't go to the pub test with fans. They go to the pub test with other like-minded journo's and sit in an
1: echo chamber for two hours getting pissed. Exactly, exactly. Who would want to go to a pub with a fucking rugby league journo? Exactly. Ugh. <laughs> fuck that.
0: Now, there's one more here. Um, how often do you look at your playing career page on
1: Rugby League Project here? Ah, <laughs> what type of fucking bastard? would pull forward a question like that. And how dare it be the top question asked by Ask Canty if you go to the top ones.
0: Yeah, 37 likes and six retweets. I I
1: can't (laughs) believe people can be so cruel. Maybe what we should do, right, we should hijack it every week and just ask a fucking really random question and it always comes back to the podcast or one of our sites or like just ask some really obscure question that has nothing to do with rugby league that would Such be as, great um would you eat cat yeah yeah would you <laughs> eat a domestic cat let's <laughs> let's do that this okay okay let's do that this coming week okay who's going to who's going to tweet it like you or me oh uh, you do it okay okay i'll tweet it right yeah. And I, I'm going to wait until – let me think. I'm going to wait until Monday. I'll tweet it on the, the upcoming Monday after we release this podcast. What would the date be? Let me have a look here. Um, who
0: knows? Monday's
1: going to be the 5th.
0: Oh, the 5th. Well, there you go. I don't know. Okay, I don't so, look at calendars anymore. I don't know what bloody
1: year it is. Sorry. Right. I just brought it up on my, on my Mac. Um, on the 5th of August, I'm going to put a tweet up. It's going to be hashtag Ask and it's going to say, "Would you eat a domestic cat? Yes or no." And I, we're going to need everyone to retweet it. All right. Um, I, we will make su- you will see it. It will be everywhere. So make sure you retweet it. The fifth of of August, I will put it up, and we will retweet the shit out of it. And it will be the top one. And we're going to do one of these each week. Should you do it from you or from the uh, the podcast account? Well, let's well, let's do it from the podcast account. I think that's let's a good do, idea. Yeah, we get a bit yeah, of get a bit of advertising account. out there. Yeah, because I always worry that you know I'm that some of these cunts have blocked me and things like that. So uh, yeah, we need full we need full disclosure, and that will come from the podcast account. That'll be good.
0: <laughs> I like the fact we're talking secret be secret PR business behind the scenes just on the
1: on live show because you know yeah. who cares <laughs> yeah. Actually, what we should do is let's put it up now, right? How about I do it now? Because that gives it a whole week. Will it still be up in a week's time?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah it'll still be there. As long as it still keeps All getting right. retweets and stuff.
1: All right. Okay. Keep I'm getting gonna traction. I'm going to do when, this.
0: And then All when right. they actually go out there and they, they actually ask for Ask Kenty next, whatever it will be, next Tuesday. Yep. You can just retweet it again from the, from the Twitter account.
1: Okay. Ask Kenty Would... You eat a domestic domestic cat, and then I'm gonna go yes, or no question mark, and then I'm gonna put should I just leave it at that I'll put uh what could I put underneath it uh anything what do you reckon or should i just leave it at that i think you just leave it at that okay okay i'm just about to tweet this now i was
0: just so just letting everyone know that that is not freaky's actual typing speed that's his text messaging speed because he's using his phone there
1: yeah, yeah
0: yeah yeah he
1: he can type a little bit slower than that on a keyboard yeah <laughs> well I, it's funny because these keyboards on these things they have a tendency to fuck up for lack of a better word, and so and normally when I you'd use a keyboard, you can hear it from like three suburbs away. I smash yes, it. So yes, i tra- to be very gentle with this one. It's like I'm not I'm not used to using my fingers gently for anything at all. Normally, I'm very violent with my fingers.
0: So we could do it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we could do a secret sound right now. Well, that's not very secret, given what's happened. This is a sound of Freaky using his iPad to type something yeah (laughs) it really
1: is (laughs) it's crazy i've always done it too i don't Um, know how you ever put your fingers through the screen yet i know it's that fucking gorilla glass it's great it certainly is no it's not only does it not smash when I, i finger it so hard but you can wipe all sorts of substances off it it's fantastic
0: that's uh yeah, that, that's leaving a rather amusing image. Oh, yeah, yeah. I could, used another, I could have used another word starting with A, but I thought I, I won't go there just yet. <laughs> Don't blow all of my credibility yet. <laughs> do it do it bit by bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, just over time. Yeah, just, just let it slowly erode away. <laughs> oh, man.
0: All righty, well, that's, uh, that was another week of us. Can't you sort it out? We could almost do this every week. Um, yeah, pretty good. People, if you want to get in touch, um send us an email, podcast at leaguefreak.com. Um we've got a few few good emails that have come in there. So if you send mm-hmm. stuff in there, we're likely to to mention them either in the podcast or most likely in a in a live episode. Mm-hmm. So get in on that. We do live episodes
1: on YouTube and on Twitter. Uh, depends on how we're feeling. We got a really good one last night from Nadine to ask there was a few questions to ask Casey Badger the next time we have her on as a guest, so that's going to be pretty cool. And we've got like so many different ideas that we've been sent to do shows with, and um, we will, we definitely will get to every single one of them. Uh, yep. It's just a case of like normally we sit down and we're like, okay, we've got these emails. Oh, something's happened. We got to talk about that first, and we get distracted a little bit. So uh, and yeah, we will. For-
0: for some of the fans who like the history stuff, there is some history stuff coming up. Um, yeah. There's been a few distractions at mind with I had to go on a holiday. <laughs> I, make, I make think it's a bad thing. I had to go on a holiday. Yeah. <sighs> you're going
1: to be all right. I actually sat down and said, Andrew, I think it's time we do a history line. He was like, listen, I have to go on a holiday right now. And I was like, oh, all right. Jeez. Oh,
0: <laughs> no, it was, it was a lovely holiday. Went, yeah. went down by the ocean, just did nothing but sit in a, a heated pool most of the time. Oh, nice. That sounds and, pretty um, good. They had The thing that brought me on the place is the uh, the hotel had uh, full English breakfast included in the price. I went, right, mm-hmm. that means I'm eating about 16 bloody eggs and six pigs every morning for breakfast. I'm set.
1: <laughs> oh, I could uh, just go some bacon. I can't do breakfast like that. I, did, I remember going to a hotel uh, once and it was like the same sort of thing and I ate all the food and, man, I was not well for the rest of the day.
0: I, I can just, gorge myself on one meal, but then I don't have to eat for the rest of the day.
1: Well, my problem was it was like I, I, can, eat, I can eat anything here that I want. So I just started eating all of the breakfast sausages I could grab and just not, it's not smart at like 7.30 on the morning to eat not, 15 breakfast sausages.
0: Not like you to go to the sausage first. Well, you know,
1: <laughs> <I> know.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, so we've got we've got some issues coming up. We've got the uh we've got the other two parts of the origin series that we started to to finish off. That's coming up soon. Um we've got a few other people to have chats with coming up as well. Um pretty pretty awesome bloody guest coming up uh later on this week. Mm. That's looking forward to that big time. That's gonna be fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, and we've got a few ideas for, for other topics and stuff like that in the future as well. So we've still got plenty planned. We're not running out of content just yet.
1: No, uh, we're going
0: great. Yeah. And we're even, we're even putting plans in for what we're going to do in the off-season, just so we can stay around and keep keep badgering your ears. And grand final week, too. How, good's that? how good was that idea? That's an immense idea. I don't know how uh, that's, that's that. going to come up. The logistics of that is going to be insane. I don't know
1: how that's going to work, so... We'll have to get the, get the wheels in motion on that one. Yeah, I, like I'm, I'm really good with ideas and I just leave the execution up to others. <laughs> that's why you'd make a good CEO. I really would. Just, I like to delegate. It's fantastic when you delegate. That's why our interns, uh, they, they work bloody hard for us and that's yeah. fantastic. We'd name We'd- them, but, you know, who cares what their names are?
0: Yeah, they don't matter. Um we are planning to give one of them, not all of them, just one of them, a nap sometime tomorrow. Yeah. Because no. he's been he hasn't had any sleep since March twenty eight when we first started the first episode. And he's been whinging a bit. Um yeah. so we'll give him a one hour nap.
1: That just sort him out. Oh hang on. Yeah. Not you. Not you. Don't think he's talking about you. You look down at the ground. Yeah. Sorry, back in back in your box. Yeah, one of them was getting out of line.
0: You just got to slap them around every now and then with that mad that magic electric stick you've got there. Yeah,
1: electric stick. <laughs> it works. If it works on cattle, it'll work on people. I've learned Ab- that over my lifetime. Absolutely. The lower down the body you go with it, the better it
0: works. Exactly. Um, all righty. Well, uh, that wraps up another great episode of of Virgo and the Freak. Um, hope you enjoyed it and. Uh yeah, we'll we'll be uh, back online with another podcast and probably even a live show as per usual uh nowadays yeah. later on this week. So yeah, we'll, it'll um, be great. Yeah. Catch you later.